Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that goes to the cinema every week, watches a couple of things, rates them out of five, stays at home on the sofa, watches a couple of things, rates them out of five, puts them up against each other, and sees where our money has been better spent this week. Who is winning the fight for our eyeballs? My name is Tosin and I am the host. I am based up in the United Kingdom, somewhere near Birmingham, the second city, called Bromsgrove. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight, somewhere off the south coast of the country, are Sharon Bolland. Hello. And Sean Harris. Hi, yeah. Yeah, people who I met all these years ago. Sean, Sharon, can you imagine it's been about 10 years yeah, it's all years. of that, isn't it? I was thinking the other day, yeah. we've had our 10-year friendiversary. Yes, 10 years. Wow. 10 years where I met you guys in the Cine World, Cine World, um, yeah, uh, Cinema Cinema on the Isle of Wight, at the quiz, at, a, at the movie quiz. And then eventually I dragged them into this world of spending your, spending an hour every Thursday night talking to me. It was just, it was all a ploy for me to have more friends. But, <laughs> but And joining us from London, joining us from London is our London correspondent, Holly Nesling. How are you? Hello. Her? I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well. Very well. We've just spent time talking about our alien bodies because we're all of a certain age. We're, we're all of a sudden, we're all of a sudden, you can walk up the stairs wrong and be in bed for a week. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, this year is going to be our 23rd anniversary. That is true. That is true. 20, 23 years. Well, we we met up as well. Was was bright eyed twenty year old? Was it twenty year olds? First year university. Yeah. I was twenty. I think I was not. I was. I was doing my second first year. I think I was nineteen. Okay. All right. What you think? Your second. Oh, pfft. <laughs> I don't remember these things. How do you not remember these things? Oh, no, no, no. It's the fact that you had done two first years by the time you were 19, and I didn't even get to university until I was 20. But never mind. Never mind. Let's let we're not okay. We're not talking about broken bodies. We're not talking about football, and we're not talking about we're not talking about university. We are talking about films. We're going to go forward. So first of all, we're going to go with cinema. What have people seen this week? Okay. Well, both myself and Sharon, we saw two movies. Mm-hmm. So, which was the zone of interest and American Garrett. fiction. American mm-hmm. fiction. All right. Uh, and uh, I have also seen two films and saw The Holdovers and Poor Things, which oh. I know um, Sean has already seen. Yes, Sean, Sean, Sean reviewed last week, and we're going to have some time at the end where we can have a little bit of a feedback on that because I also saw poor things. I was planning to see Mean Girls, but uh, the life of the new dad just... I mean, let's put it this way. I was really, really impressed myself. I might see one film in the cinema this week. It's my, buff, it's my first film in the cinema in about a month, and I, was, and I thought once I, I tried to fly too close to the sun... And I tried to go and see two films. I tried to go see Mean Girls. It did not work. So, so yeah, then we'll have like a... But we can say what we thought about poor things right at the end, um, um, Holly and I. Uh, we have our official review from Sean, but we can also just sort of like always feedback. It's always good when we when we get to see that. Yeah, it's always good to do that. All right, and at home, what have we seen? Let's start with you, Holly. I've not actually completed seeing anything this week, I don't think. You saw Boudicca, didn't you, the film? Oh, yes, I did see Boudicca. Yes, we've both seen Boudicca. What else have I watched? Okay. That's the only thing I can remember, apart from a lot of things I haven't finished. I think the thing is, you watch watch so much on TV that you tend to forget what you've watched, unless anything's really, really brilliant. Well, Silent Witness Season 1, I have to say, from 1995. 
I watched last week. And it, it stands up to the test of time well. It's going <laughs> to put that out Oh, is that, is that the original Amanda Barton one? Was, yes. it, Amanda, was it Amanda Barton yeah, Amanda or Burton? Burton. 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 Okay. okay. All right, cool. All right, cool. So we have that. Okay. How about you, Sharon? What have you seen at home? I have just finished seeing Reacher season two on Amazon Prime. I saw that as well. I totally forgot I'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Reacher season two, because our, our, essentially, as Sean says, there's just so much stuff to watch at home. So I actually now have a note on my phone. And every time I finish writing, anytime I finish watching something, I put it on there. And if I forget to put it on that list, I've forgotten that I've watched it <laughs> until somebody else mentions it. So I'm just looking at the list going, what haven't I spoken about on this list? All right, cool. And how about you, Sean? What, about, what have you seen at home? Okay, so I've seen, I watched a thing on Sky, which was called King of the Killers. Yep. And I watched an old 2006 movie on Amazon, with Robin Williams film called... Um... Man of the Year. Man of the Year, yeah. Yeah, because uh, you, you, you put that on the chat, and when you said that, I was like, that's a Robin Williams film. It was one of his, I think it was yeah. one of his final films. Yeah, I think it must have been. I think it must have been. But it just intrigued me, because I find Robin Williams quite sort of, I find him, I, I like Robin Williams, so I find him quite, you know, interesting. I, 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 yeah, I think, I think Robin Williams is, he's a bit of a genius. I mean, yeah. f- film-wise, film-wise, I think Robin Williams is a bit of a genius. So, um, what did you say? It wasn't Killers of the Flower Moon, was it? No, no, that was No, 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 no. <laughs> Although, yeah, although we'll have to, have to say that. But, um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, King of the Killers. King of the Killers, that was it. King of the Killers, yeah. King so the trouble of... is you forget so much. I've also, I've watched, like, I watched the Battle for Algiers, um, and and I watched the Battle of Algiers last night, funny enough. Okay, but um, yeah, yeah, but 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 I f- I feel like uh, with, with some of our rules, we have some arbitrary rules that we have to try and keep uh, handle these things, and that is that you can't bring something to the show that you have already watched before. Yeah, that's and true. the Battle of Algiers feels like something that you would have watched before. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know, with you with you with your war movie thing, I'm like, there is no way. It, it's the same with the other <laughs> week. I said there is no way in hell that Sean is going to like Night Swim. There is no way in hell that Sean has not already watched Battle of Algiers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So that was, but that's other stuff I've watched. And okay, I, cool. I also watched a cheesy um, thing called Blood Rain Two, which was like a western, a vampire western, which was. I think that's based on a video game. It, is it? Yeah, there's a three. There was three of them. Blood. Yeah, Rain, yeah. Like Blood a, Rain. Rain. A Rain. Spelt R A Y N E. That's right? the one. Yeah. There's like yeah. A, it's like a World War Two one. And um, Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich. No, I don't know who it is. I couldn't even tell you who because I mean it was. Ah, it was you know schlocky. Uh, Mil- Mila Jovovich is the is the Resident Evil movies. Evil movie, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought and she Ultraviolet well. and and Monster Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, and she did Monster Hunter. All right, cool. So we have those. I had something that I'd watched online that I also uh, that I also mentioned, but I think we've run out of space to talk about it. Mm. Which was oh yeah, Boat Story, Boat Story on BBC Two on on, on BBC iPlayer, which um uh, I'll just say I think you like so. Without further ado, let us fly into our reviews and let us kick off with American Fiction. Now, two of us have seen this, so I'm going to give this one 10 minutes because obviously there's going to be some back and forth. So I'm going to give us 10 minutes to talk about American Fiction. Sharon, could you give us a little bit of a prezi about what is American Fiction about? Yes, it is about um, a man played by Jeffrey Wright, who is a writer of literary fiction. It's... um, Slightly elevated based on the myths and sort of legend. And he's published, but he isn't living off of his earnings as a writer. He's working as a university, um, lecturing on literature. 
And he's had a little bit of a falling out with his university over some of the language he uses that um, some students have found offensive, namely the use of the N-word. He's a black yep. man. And yep. he says, if I'm not offended by it, then why are you? But obviously the faculty don't agree. So they've said, you know, have a have a break and, um, you know, work on your next book, that sort of thing. So he goes home, um, which is, I believe, like the north, the northwest coast, sort of like looks like Connecticut. I think it's Boston. It's Boston. Boston. It's in Boston. And um, yeah, so he goes back there and he's sort of, his mum is getting all elderly and a little bit forgetful, a bit of Alzheimer's. He's got a sister who's been her main caregiver and he's got a brother who's recently sort of rediscovered his sexuality. And um, so he's sort of, you know, exploring his own um, inclinations elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So he's then sort of stuck in this rut and he writes basically, um, not as a, a black writer, he's a writer who just happens yeah. to be black. And he is sort of fighting this battle basically against the establishment who have this idea that only black American writers can only write about the black experience, but only a particular type of black experience. And whilst he's um, in the bookshop one day, he sees this book by a popular sort of American writer, but it's sort of like taken off by, by storm. And basically this is a young woman who's been um, raised, into, into like raised in privilege. She was privately educated got a job in a publishing house um, <laughs> and then produces this book called something like yo we just live in the hood or something <laughs> and they say could you read us a quote from your book please as a well-educated woman and she goes yes i'll read your passage and she's really well spoken and she opens her book and it's like yo Shonda! <laughs> it's like, yo sharonda is you pregnant uh, again yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you what <laughs> you did nuts and it's it's all like that and he's saying you know and the and people love it because it's like it's real, it's like it's like it's like authentic, <laughs> and it's like it's like it's genuine, and it's like it's none of those things. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not writing from her experience, but it is like what people expect some a black writer to write. Yes. And so he one day in like a fit of pique, he decides he's going to write his own book, and it starts off as my pathology with an F, and then yep. they changes the name later on. But we're not going to go into that in this show. And he basically, he writes it like as if he were a gangster. He's done time, he's writing a gangster, and he's writing like <laughs> his life story. Um, everything you'd expect, like a deadbeat dad, a criminal brother, gunfights, drugs, you know, baby daddies, that yeah. sort of thing. All yep. of these tropes. And then he, he sort of sends his publisher, who's, who's a, this sort of literary publisher, who goes like, you are having a laugh, aren't you? He's going, no, 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 just send it out, send it out, but don't put my name on it, we're gonna make up this character. And they send this book out and basically it takes off like a rocket. <laughs> Everyone raved about it, he loves it. And basically this book is everything he hates about the literary world. And um, and then the story unfolds about how, what happens about this book. Um, <laughs> Johnny. So, so okay, he, pretty yeah. much, he, he pretty much writes a parody and everybody thinks he's being serious. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. And, and when he starts the book, I liked the bit, I don't know about you, Sharon, when he's first yeah. starting the bit and the, and the actual characters are saying, now you know what we did, and actually, yeah. I, I thought he that was quite visualizes good. Visualizes them, and they yeah, sort of him. That's it. Yeah, so and, they yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then whoever, yeah, the actor saying, you know, would I, would I say what that? What do I do next? What am yeah, I saying what, next? What, what am I going to do that really? Um, and but yeah, he talks about one of them talks about his complexion. Says, yeah, would I? That's it. And then he turns to the yeah. old writer and says, "Would I say complexion? Would I really yeah. say that? Would, would I, I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Actually, no." And then you see him deleting that text while the actor's yeah, waiting there yeah, yeah. Goes, oh, yeah and now i'm gonna say would you look and he talks about other things yeah what i mean Very i mean done. 
for me, what I got out of this was it was, I mean, they would say the family, the, the family are probably fairly middle upper class family, haven't they? They've got like a yeah. house in there, a beach house in there. They've Hamptons got a country house, they've got like a second home, as we would call That's it. it. But what I, I really liked that family interaction as well because it shows, you know, do you know what I mean? And I mean, I don't know if it was like there was like a juxtaposition of like how we perceive like they do in the book, how we perceive, you know, the yo, Sharonda, you know, all your gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you doing, you, um, you know, all the swearing. Yeah. But these were a well-to-do family, uh, but they still had the family problems. And I really, really liked that. And that's where that actor that we were talking about, the, the up for best supporting actor, I thought he was absolutely... Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. I thought he was brilliant. I really, he was so believable, especially the scene on the beach. And I think it's in the trailer where... You want to talk to me? Those, uh, it's just a bit in the trailer, but I just think he is. And I really, for me, what I got out of it was the family interaction. A family with all their problems, with all their arguments, but they get on, they're good. I really liked that. And I was sort of thinking, well, this shows that there's a lot of families in America, you know, uh, that are doing really well as, as well as like, because we do. You mean, you mean, you mean black families? Black families, yeah. That, yeah, you that, mean black that, families, that yeah. You know, but well-off black families that still have problems. You know, yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Yeah, family problems, like most most families do, probably all around the world. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I picked that up from it. I, I thought that was really, really good. Anyway, but also when when he goes, oh, we're going to get the film rights, you know, and it's like we, he goes, right, you got to go and meet the director, and he's like. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, there's a scene. There's a scene in the yeah, trailer because I, I have I haven't seen this yet. I haven't seen it because I'm guessing no, this no, was. No, I'm guessing this was a preview screening you guys saw. We yes, yes. Yes. A mystery screening. We didn't know mystery what we were going screen. to see. Yeah, yeah mystery. Mystery. Yeah. So it isn't actually out around me until next week. Until next week, yeah. Wednesday. But I saw the trailer for this before um, before Christmas last year, and it was one of the funniest things I'd seen all year. Like the trailer alone was like the was probably the funniest film. I'd, one of the funniest films I saw all year last year, because I think I, I know the scene you're talking about where he has to go. He has to go meet a director, and so he has to act like this character who wrote this yeah. book that is totally different. Like yeah. he has to act like this gangster when he's actually like you know this like you know you I would say upper mid class. Or yeah. a big class guy who's who's been brought up with a certain thing, and he's I, a university lecturer. That's like, yeah. <laughs> he is yeah. an, an author of literary fiction. Mm. It's like he is not, you know. He, he's not. Hood. He's not from the streets. He's not from the hood. He's never had to carry a dime bag of whatever to to John, to, like you know, to Mookie down the street, <laughs> like that. But but that's but that's the only thing people are willing to accept. And and the the concept of this film, I love. The concept of this film is something I was like, I need to go see this film. And I'm just sort of like, and uh, and don't worry when it comes out, I will go see it and I'll let you guys know what I think because I think that this, this, I just love the fact, as I said, told Sean earlier, I reckon there's going to be a lot of things in this film that as a black guy, I would have thought, I would have thought and I would have thought, yes, 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 that, why that? But, but also at the same time, not being American and being African, I feel like there's going to be a difference and I think it's going to be really interesting what I find is, what I find is um, the same or what I find that I don't, I don't, I can't connect with. That's right. I couldn't I, help but feel that um, as well, the, the joke was partly on us as an audience because I'm thinking we were sat there in like a on the Isle of Wight. I think we, it's an entirely white audience there watching it, mm. and we were <laughs> laughing at the jokes like where we're supposed to laugh at the jokes. You know how sort of he was like highlighting the ridiculousness about how people perceive how he should be and then how he actually is. And yeah. Part of me thinking, you know, I wouldn't recognise an authentic, a real voice of 
you know, black America, if it yeah. came up and sort of, you know, poked me. So um, I thought in some ways the joke was on us as the audience as well a little bit, because I was thinking, you know, I, you know, I probably wouldn't get it. So whatever they sort of sold me, I'd probably go, oh, okay, because I, I'm not just, I wouldn't be able to discerning enough. Like, fact, that is how they live in America. That is how every <laughs> black person in America lives. But also, I really like the pretentiousness of all the like the the of the literary the people, and the literary people, and it was a real super parody of them. Or like they write yeah. gushing. Oh yes, it's fantastic. And the bit when he says, "Oh, I want to change the name of the book," and they're like, mm, "Let's think about that." Uh, and it's, it's like, just it's like, bold. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, and they are really, really pretentious. And also the... the so the, brave. The, You're so brave. Yeah. When they got to do the critics, when they, when they get all the, all the literary critics together and you've got like the stereotypical one, like the, oh, you know what I mean? The oh, no, no. one and all that. Okay. And it's just like... It's, it's, All right, yeah. everything you're saying is only making me want to watch this film now. <laughs> makes me want to watch this film now. I need it here right now. But okay, so before uh, anything else you want to say before I ask you how many stars? Um, I'm just, no, I Jeffrey think Wright, I... excellent. I think he's been around a long time. He and has. He sort of hovers slightly under the radar, doesn't he? Mm. In a lot of yeah. things. But no, I think he was absolutely amazing in yeah. there. I, I think the whole cast was. I think it was absolutely, absolutely. And and even like I say, the scene where they're writing, there's an actor. I mean, I don't, I should know his name, but he was in, um, he was in uh, with, uh, oh, what's, well, I can't remember. They live the John Carpenter film. They live. He, he, oh, Keith like, David. Keith David, that's him exactly. Keith, Keith David, David yeah, absolute legend. Keith, absolute Keith legend. David. So Keith yeah. David pops up, which is not for long, but yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's funny how you said that. You said they live, and I was like, "Well, there's only one black man in that film, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be Keith David." Oh, yeah, uh, Keith David, yeah, yeah. So y yes, uh, or, or no, yeah, no, it's no, it really makes me want to see it. And the funny thing you say about Jeffrey Wright is, I feel like this film might actually be a little bit personal for him because I remember the first time I ever saw Jeffrey Wright, he was in the he was in the John Singleton remake of Shaft, and. Yeah, he was in, and that was the first time I ever saw him. And he was playing, he was acting opposite Christian Bale. That film, for for no good film, has a stupid cast. <laughs> so like, he was he was playing against opposite Christian Bale, and he was playing a drug dealer who was getting Christian Bale to sell his drugs at like the higher episode. And so he was like playing, uh, he was essentially playing the kind of stereotypical thing that he would probably have written in this. But ever since then, I've seen him move away from that. I move away from that and be able to think, get things like Felix Leiter and play, like the roles he played in Westworld. And, and I feel like this might actually be part, partly his story of what people expected from him when he first started as an actor to where he's meant to get to now. So how many stars? How many stars? For me, it's a four, four star. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a really good movie, yeah. Four stars. I'd say again, four star. Yeah, absolutely yeah. four star. Four stars for American fiction by the film that I just cannot wait to see. Okay, and now... Oh, else, just say something else he'd been in. He was in The Hunger Games as well, which he was superb in. Who was he in The Hunger yeah. Games? Oh, yeah, he... No, no, no. no. Who was he in The Hunger Games? Uh, he was uh, one of the, the participants in um, Catching Fire. Yeah, he was the, one of the, the Oh, yes! He was a previous champion. You know, when they all went... The tribute, the tribute he went back because yeah. they, they got all the previous winners to go back in the arena again. Yeah, And so yeah. he was in three of the five films and yes. he was superb. Yeah, no, no Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Jeff Wright is pretty much he's uniformly excellent in everything he's in, um, yes. even even in something that goes off the rails like Westworld. So anyway, let's go on to home stuff now, and we're going to talk about Boudicca. So Holly, tell us about Boudicca. <sighs> I begin with the okay. sad. 
Okay, um, if you're going to begin with the slide, I'm going to give you and Sharon seven minutes to talk about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the case. So the, uh, the premise, it is based on the English... Uh, a, a old English figure, ancient English figure of Boudicca, who was queen of the Iceni and who led a significant re revolt against the Romans. She's sort of infamous, notorious for having had um, spikes on the wheels of her chariot and is a you know, sort of renowned, very, very strong, you know, strong female leader of, you know, quite unusual for most times, really, I think his... Uh, is fair, and the the film itself is therefore, as I say, based upon her, and it begins with her being married to a a ruler of a tribe who is um, closely aligned to the Romans and yes. who ends up being killed, and as a result of circumstances, she gets drawn into being the leader of. A, a resistance movement fighting against the Romans, and low stuff happens. And then we have Braveheart. We have female Braveheart. So we have female Braveheart, except so, older. Okay, all right. So um, uh, I, I think Sean, um, I mean Holly, I will save you from that because I can see the enthusiasm draining out of you as you were given that present. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, so Sharon will be able to provide some more profundity. I suspect. Okay, so so I, let I let us. Let, with, with that, I saw that, that, that swallow. That, that's what happens. That's what happens. Okay, now let's get on to what you guys thought about it, which I am expect I'm expecting great things. I think this is going to be amazing. <laughs> wow, well, it's a tricky one because um, there is what there's your expectation versus what you actually get. <laughs> yeah. And when I looked at it and I thought they, it looked like it was going to be quite a reasonable production, I thought, oh, this should be quite good. And mm. then um, it really wasn't. <laughs> I think part of it is people when they sort of talk about this sort of early sort of British period, especially sort of Boudicca bit where um the Romans had like moved in in force, they had rebuilt like Colchester, they had like the the temples to claw the um the gods and the I think it was Claudius they'd had the huge statue and um Boudicca's army basically sort of raised it to the ground. They they found the head of this statue in the river, didn't they quite recently, like a few years mm. ago. And then they, it was a major, major revolt. They, he, she destroyed two legions effectively, put them, reduced them to their knees. And you wouldn't get that from this particular Boudicca. Um, and because they, as soon as they mention the word Druids, they suddenly seem to go a bit nuts, don't they? They seem to think yeah. that all the ancient Britons were <laughs> what sort of mystics, sort of, where they sort of did really odd mm. things. Yeah. And part of it, you're thinking. Is this based on any research that you've done, or have you just sort of like cobbled a few bits together from sort of folk religions around the world? Because I just look at when you do when they do the sort of the the um druids, um, it's just piffle, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit, a bit make, silly. It makes no sense to me. Were they painted blue by any chance? They weren't, I suppose. No. <laughs> Sean, Sean, are you going back to King Arthur? Everybody's always painted that? blue. How did you yeah. know that? That's they totally, managed that's to take amazing. a fascinating period of history though and reduce it yeah. to something that was a little bit silly. Yeah. It just... and I, did, I didn't recognise her as Boudicca, to be honest with you. And you know, the whole point of it was that she was a co-ruler with her husband, but the Romans did not recognise women rulers as independent rulers. So that's why she was flogged. Her daughters were, in, according to history, like her daughters 
which were abused, raped, and we don't know what their fate was. And she was flogged publicly and humiliated. In this, her daughter's basically, she's arrested and her daughter's disappeared. So the outrage is committed against the daughters is never referred to. And her flogging was just a little bit, and she was branded, which I don't think there's any record of her ever being branded. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's just they, they like they like took some of the bits of history, <coughs> knitted them together with their own idea of what they think would be quite fun. And I That's thought it. it was just a load of old nonsense, quite frankly. Yeah. I think the BBC, going back a few years now, I think the BBC or someone, they did like a, a three-part. I read about Voodica. It was, I think it was, was always, when, I was, when I was doing history, it was Boadicea. It was still, you would call yes. it Boadicea. It was still, that's what it was. But you get the revisionists. And I think it was the Iceni, wasn't it? Was she with the Iceni? Yes, yeah, tribe? Was. yeah, I think so I think I think that was I think that was um, ITV, and that was, there was the Alex played. Kingston one, which we spoke yeah. about when you guys mentioned this the last time. Yeah, oh, yeah. ITV. Again, they did a bit of druidy stuff in there, and again, I think in... I, I can't really remember that. Prominent in those. I can't really remember it, but and, and all that. But it sounds like it was a little bit better in that. Um, but but yeah, Alex so... Kingston is consistently good as well. So, well, well, to be honest with you, this is this is something that when they said they had Olga Kurilenko playing Boudica, that made me wonder what was going on here because. To my experience, I don't think I've ever seen Olga Kurilenko play anything other than what she is like, you know, Ukrainian, like a like a Eastern European yeah. person with like a slightly inflected accent. And I was like, I'm not sure. I, I have my doubts as to whether she can pull off English, especially English sort of like yeah. war hero. Well, we, obviously, we don't know how they how the I see they sounded. I mean, but I'm um, pretty sure uh, it would be. I'll be surprised if they sounded so. anything like. Ukrainians. Like Ukrainian, yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I think it had promise. And there was some the old element was quite nice about it. But on the whole, I I didn't really rate it. I thought it it to me it was just there was just like too much sort of fantasy knitted in with history. And then they didn't actually present the history very well to make it sound as impressive as it was. You know, because you know, if she did, you know, drive the Romans to their knees. Um, was, was, okay, was so the... it's only auxiliary legions that she destroyed, and when she was up against the big boys, then the the, the Britons' fighting techniques obviously didn't hold up against, you know, the might of the Roman Empire. But she certainly gave them a run for their money. Were the battle scenes? What were the battle scenes like, Sharon? Because you know me, I like my battle They're scenes. They're poor. There was basically a couple poor, of ambushes but... in woods. They're yeah. like creeping back in woods and then throwing stones and oh, right. spears okay. at Romans. Right. It was just like you know these people would not defeat legions. Um, and she had thousands flocked to her cause from all around that part of the world mm. trying to kick the Romans out. It didn't work, but, you know... I think she got as far right. as London, didn't she? She got as she far did, as London yeah. after sacking of Colchester, or Cam, I think it was called Camaludum or something Camelodium, like that. Camelodium, yeah. Camelodium, and then she got all, nearly all the way to... Anyway, no, that's a history didn't. thing. We're talking movie, okay, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, so I feel, to me, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think so too. Especially when you give like the stories, and you're thinking on how there's some of those things that you could have delved into, like what happened to her daughters, especially because of what is I think what what you find nowadays, where there's a lot more stuff about how women have been treated that that is being attacked. It sounds like it's a missed opportunity, but um, but funny enough, I'm I'm drawing a parallel between because from everything you said about this, I would be really really surprised if this was actually a British production or production that had any british person involved whatsoever this sounds almost kind of like you know how in american fiction you're talking about how there's a certain vision of black people that hollywood is willing to accept this sounds almost like there's a certain vision of english people and england and old school things that hollywood is willing to accept and that's what they've made here where they feel yeah 
they had a few cast members who had been in Vikings. So I don't know whether they sort of take a little bit of that um, that sort of Vikingness and they want to sort of introduce it to this because uh, Peter Franzen, who was um, Harold Finehair in Vikings, he played um, a sort of Celtic warrior in this, a mercenary who fights with Boudicca. And um, Clive Standen, who plays her husband, he was Rollo um, in the first couple of seasons of Vikings. So there were, I think, that's where they were probably looking for their history rather than to actually history. Yeah. And um, so how many stars? It was, it was British, by the by. It was about country what? of origin, United Kingdom. Oh no, 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 I've, no I'm going to look. There's going to no, okay. I'll, I'll go for. I'm going to go through the boring deep dive to find out what the production company yes. is later. <laughs> but, deep but, dive. But, but for now. What is the what's the star rating? Because if that's if that's a British company, that is disgraceful. <laughs> what is um three? Uh, how many how many stars? Sorry, two for me. Yeah, two, and it's even a grudging two. Mm. So it sounds a bit like Netflix content filler, just sort of like content. Like I was random. I was I was yeah. really disappointed. I was hoping yeah. for something much more. Yeah, did you get these emails saying in two days' time it's going to be coming out, and you're going, oh okay. And then you watch it and you go, oh, get <laughs> Could have saved myself some time. You're like, pull the other one. <laughs> I could have watched House of the Dragon again for the eighth time. <laughs> All right, cool. House of, House of Dragon, did you say? House, of the, House of the Dragon, yeah, I've watched I that. I like that. I like yeah. that. When, when's the second lot going to come? Sometime this year. Ooh. Yeah, no, they haven't. Have you, no oh, you haven't seen yet. the whole thing yet, then? You haven't seen oh, the I whole... have. I've seen it multiple times. Oh, yeah. It's great, isn't it? This is good. In fact... The second watch, it's it's as good yes. as, right. as yes. Good as There's things, the, the details that link up with Game of Thrones. Yes, oh, yeah. so oh, I'm sure you know the exact one I'm thinking of. Yes, I, I do. Exact I, one. And, and I, on the other hand, cannot be bothered because <laughs> <laughs> because missing I, out, missing I just, out. It is just a cash grab. I don't care how well it's made. So anyway, so now let's go back to cinemas and let's go to. We're going to talk about Zone of Interest. Now, this is another film that has been re that has been um nominated for oscars i believe this year i think we're in that period where all of a sudden we're getting all these great films that have been nominated for oscars coming up for maybe just a week and then disappearing but this is so sean and sharon you saw this and let's see so sean and sharon between you who wants to give us a prezi about this uh i don't mind yeah i can okay cool. so, sean yeah go ahead yeah so um because uh, it was quite interesting talking with sharon right so zone of interest and from, from what sharon says these are areas outside concentration camps so they were designated as zones of interest. That was what they were called yeah, by the exactly. National Socialists. Yeah. They weren't, you know, because they had a what I don't, they had a name for the concentration camps, but they had like a special in the area, and yeah. then it was like zone of interest. Yeah. So this is a story of um, the. It takes place well in this garden in the house of the commandant of Auschwitz, and it's his family. So it's him, his wife, and his family, and you know they've got a nice garden and swimming pool and all that, and outside you've got a lot of countryside you've got everything they've got a really nice idyllic life really haven't they they've got this they've got this river yeah they've got horses they can ride yeah so but it's right outside what more could they want yeah all right all the time you've got through the whole of the film you've got this constant noise Mm, like and you can see you never actually see inside Auschwitz itself but you you just hear stuff. You hear shots. You hear shouts. You hear. So it's always there. Dogs it's barking. constantly, yeah, dogs barking. It's constantly, constantly there. And they just go about their normal business. It's all matter of fact. Like 
perhaps like one of the one of the sons has got some some teeth the, the people will sort through the clothes and choose what what if there's anything nice or anything like that so the, and the only real prisoners you see are the ones that actually go in the garden and do maintenance and stuff you never really see anything else trustees and or something the trust like yeah yeah trustees almost so and it's basically it and it shows them going you know for oh yeah the 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 wife the mother-in-law turns up that's quite a that was that was quite a poignant bit i think at the end because i thought oh you know she because at the start she accepts things and then anyway but yeah so but it's like two movies really i reckon if you were to close your eyes and just listen to the sounds and there's a couple of moments in there where it just goes like red screen black screen yeah for like like a minute it's mm. when the film starts i would say the first mm. for me it felt like two or three two, minutes yeah probably two it three was minutes. literally just a wall of sound mm. yes and yeah, then just... it was the screen was blank or just like mm. grey, yeah, yeah. just grey, yeah. ash, I suppose, the colour of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I never thought of that. You had a wall of sound and then slowly you mm. could discern different tones in there. And they bit you had like bird song and then sometimes you'd hear yeah. uh, like a mechanical noise would start up and stop. Yeah. And yeah. But there was like a wall of sound and nothing visual for at least three mm. minutes at the beginning. Yeah. And then this sound retreated, but it was there throughout the entire film. Yes. And um, you'd hear trains arriving. And... That sorry, reminds sorry. me of what they did with Oppenheimer with some of the sound. Yes, that was that constant noise, that countdown yeah. or that building up of tension. And like you'd hear trains come and go, but you'd never see a train. You'd sometimes yeah. see steam in the sky. Mm. And the family who were living their lives as if there was nothing was going on next door, mm. nothing at all. It was just sort of um, a pop accepted, yeah, matter of fact. But then you see them having a meeting in their dining room where they were discussing how to build a better crematoria. And the how they were yeah. talking about how you, the salesman was saying how you could get a better load. They're talking about loads, weren't they? You could loads, get a load in, you can have one load, yeah. and then you can have that one being processed, and then you can cool that one down, and then you can start up the next one. And so mm. they were talking about it as if it was like a bakery, basically. It was, yeah. Well, it was salesmen. They were salesmen, weren't they? IG Farber. They were saying that like, this, is, this is, yeah, th what about this? What do you think of that? And, and people were like, trying on coats, man's... and they were thinking, oh, look, is there anything sewn into the lining of this yeah. coat? Yeah. And things like that. So it was. But it was never they never mentioned no. what and was going on next door, but you you knew exactly what was going on. This this is one of the few films that intrigued me so much. You know the uh what we thought what I thought were animated uh, bits. Yeah. They weren't animated at all. They were actually shot no. on a night scope. I actually had a look because I was so intrigued to what it was all about and I hunted. Yeah, something went hunted. in negative. You had a whole two scenes yeah. where the entire thing was in negative. So you just see like a white figure moving yeah. around on a black background. So and I putting had... some objects on the ground, and it was a little girl planting yeah. apples. Apparently, apples, for the... yeah. she was just planting for... them along. Yeah. And it was, it was, but the the father was reading a fairy story to his children at the same yeah. time. So you're not quite sure whether they were visualising this fairy story because it's about Hansel and Gretel, wasn't it? And then, but then it wasn't. It didn't fit. Mm. So you just you're left thinking. You just don't know what. Sometimes you just did not know what was going on. I, and I, then I, halfway I... through, it suddenly turned, and it was modern day Auschwitz, and it was the cleaners preparing for the visitors they're mm. like polishing down oh. the, the the machine so polishing the glasses yeah yeah all the, gla all the displays so like out the the the, the visitor rooms because mm, he sort and then of swaps back to the 1940s yeah. again so you suddenly have this moment where you're thinking what's going on <laughs> yeah. and then again yeah. as sean's alluded to you suddenly had two moments in the film where the screen went red just red you didn't see anything for a minute mm. just a red screen and then you had like a black screen is it okay? I've, and nothing. I've, I've just looked and, 
So I'm just going to yeah, say, I just on. looked up this film, and it's directed. And once I see the director, all of this stuff is making sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's directed sure. by yeah, Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan Glazer, and he Glazer. is he he is a visualist. Like he he yeah. he likes yeah. doing weird stuff. He comes from a music video background. And I think he did a lot of weird music videos in the '90s, like Jamiroquai, Virtual Sense, uh, Virtual Insanity. He did the the Radiohead one where somebody gets hit by a car. It's he does weird stuff, and uh, once yeah. now all of, all of a sudden I'm like, yes, he wants to make you think. Yeah. Well, I found out because I had to hunt and I really hunted because I wanted to find out about those. And they were actually shot with. So it's actually shot, but it was shot with the old uh, infrared cameras, nighttime scenes. Yeah, those oh, yeah. night scenes. Nothing. Absolutely. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it was absolutely nothing to do with what was going on in the house. Nothing to do. What the fairy story wasn't anything else. It was just put in there because uh, the director I had to go. and I, I couldn't find it. So I had to go see the Guardian, what the director yeah, yeah, said yeah. about it. And it was actually a case of. Um, he actually met this lady that was a girl who was 12 years old and she did exactly that. She used to go and hide, and apples, apples. Yeah, hide apples for when the like work lager parties come out and all that. But it was shot in on a night, you know, like um, infrared, I guess. So, yeah. but, but I thought it was animated. But yeah. okay, yeah, so, but it, it, did, it just it, 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 it was hard. It was, it, when you're watching it, you don't quite know what you're, what you're making of it, to be honest with you. No. Yeah. And it sort of it washes over you, the sound sets you on your edge so you're not and you're not comfortable and and sometimes at night you the, the sky would be lit up with like this orange glow um of just the crematoria burning away night and day and so you had these scenes that you would just feel so deeply uncomfortable yeah. but you don't really quite know what to make of what of what you're watching really yeah well that is the you, you guys, what you're saying, you're giving me real sort of like boy in the striped pajamas vibes, and yeah, and, yeah I didn't. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, and, and that that film that film destroyed me. Um, so it's um, but I think the well, essentially, it's a Jonathan Glazer film. It's gonna be weird, and and I, what? How many stars would you give it? <laughs> oh, this is like, at least the four. At least the four. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant film. I'm so pleased I went to cinema. I I totally totally enjoyed this. So I'm giving it four star. I would probably agree. That I'd give it a four. To me, it was like an, a difficult work of literature that you have to put the effort in. Yeah. There's there's mm. some books you can pick up and you can just read, and then you let them wash over you and it's fine. There's other books that are slightly more challenging that you've got to put the work in. And I think this is a film that probably. If you started unpacking it, there's a lot in there that you for you to unpack. And mm, to think there's about. loads. There's and loads. So I think of it as like a work of literature, that um, it isn't necessarily going to be an easy read, but you've really just got to unpick it. So I will give a four, um, but, but to tell people that you know don't approach it like you're watching Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. No, it, you're not watching Schindler's you're List. You're not watching. Yeah. You have to approach it like it's almost like experimental stream of consciousness yeah. at, at work oh. of literature. In, in other but words, in other words, you have to approach it like a Jonathan Glazer film. film. Yeah, Jonathan Glazer. I mean, hey, yeah. what, what, <laughs> what, 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 what do you expect? I'm, I'm sorry, Jonathan because, Glazer. Because I, I know that okay, he's not he's not like a household name. He's not like a Steven no. Spielberg or anything like that. But for people who know stuff, essentially, the second you say Jonathan Glazer, I'm like, okay, cool. He is not interested in and in, well in making things easy for me he's, <laughs> he's interested he, he he wanted to go away and he wanted to think he wants to essentially do what sean has done and go and say go what the hell was going on yeah yeah yeah. So, so yeah so four stars for but it sounds like he has done well with that and even the academy is saying yeah give this he's been nominated for best director he's been nominated for best um for best picture 
So, but it does, it, it does, it's, but, but with it being a Jonathan, I think it could be a love or hate thing. Some people would like it, some people would hate it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's really, really new. I think it's just a really, really bold, yeah, bold, bold, bold thing to do. And it's something like, and that's what you want. You know, it's not your freshy, yeah. blockbustery, smash them up. I must admit, it did make me go and look up the family. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, I looked up all about the the, the, the real mm. people in the film. I looked up who they were and what happened to them. Because the implication in the film was that, you know, people could not have lived next door and not been aware of what's well, going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. And they wrote a book about the wife of this guy. Um, and it was called like the oblivious Nazi housewife, something like that, mm. where she claimed for the rest of her life that she had no idea what was going on next mm. door. And so um, it made me look at it and go, okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if that was your assertion, that's your assertion. But how believable was that? Yeah, but then when you look at a film like this, you know. Yeah, mm. but, but then again, I mean, what what else are you supposed to say? But <laughs> it's kind of yeah. it's 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 yeah. And anyway, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably we'll, tell you. You probably it. tell yourself that you didn't know. Exactly, exactly. Well, well, yes. maybe, well, what would make the Oscars for me would for for that to win Best Picture and the actor that we spoke about, the supporting Jeffrey Wright. Actor, oh no, just Stephen K. Brown. Yeah, yeah, to 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 win because I thought him as Cliff, he played as Cliff. I thought he was absolutely so believable was that sort of character you know that was that you know decided all right so yeah. so so you know that's exactly not what's gonna, not what's going to happen so, no. <laughs> exactly not, because yeah that's not what's going to happen so no. yeah, our, four star film five star subject yeah probably you need your a level film studies yeah. <laughs> go with, go with your notebook go with, go with your notebook and and your glasses so you feel extra smart while you watch it so well, like, Okay. Yes. Really interesting. Uh, I've, on it, you're on about film studies. It's really, really interesting once you get into certain films, even films you don't like. But anyway, I digress. Let's let's yes. let's move yeah. on. Let's move on. We'll have that discussion for another day. Yes, yes. Oh, 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 uh, oh, oh. Sean, I've got a podcast that I think you would love. Uh, it's yeah. called All the Right Movies. I've been listening. Right. Yeah, All the Right Movies, and essentially, it's that kind of stuff. It delves into. Anyway, we'll talk about it off. Oh, yeah, we'll, yeah, talk, we'll, talk we'll talk about, about it later. Okay. But now we go over to Netflix and Friends, and we talk about Reacher season two, which is on Amazon Prime. Now, um, that I'll, I'll give a little bit of because I've seen this, and Sharon, you've seen this. Yeah, so I've I've actually seen one or two episodes. So oh, because what? when I was in, my uncle he he loves it. So, but I haven't yeah. seen the whole series, but I've just caught one or two. We're talking about the big beefy one, yeah. Yes, exactly yeah. the big Jack beefy Reacher. one, Jack Reacher. So Jack Reacher is based on a series of books. Or, no, Reacher is based on a series of books fe- featuring the character Jack Reacher by a, an author called Lee Child, and. I feel like you can't talk about Reacher without talking about the fact that this has been made into a film called Jack Reacher, or two films called Jack Reacher starring Tom Cruise. And I think every single Jack Reacher fan, I've never read any of the books, so I don't feel as strongly as this as most of the Jack Reacher's fans do. They will yell to high heavens about what atrocities those films are (laughs) because Jack Reacher is written as a six foot five inch tall behemoth of a man, as Sean just said, a big beefy person who sort of like blocks out the sun when he walks into a room kind of thing. And yeah, he's he's a big old unit, and that is not Tom Cruise. So, so for Reacher fans who have been reading this guy in 20 something books to have Tom Cruise, they were like, What the hell? So Amazon eventually, Lee Child eventually said, yeah, that was a mistake. And they said, we're going to do a TV show and where they're going to take each, they're going to take a novel and they're going to adapt the novel over eight episodes. And they spent ages trying to find the right actor and they landed on Alan Richardson. Alan Richardson, who is, I think some people have said they essentially found Jack Reacher because he is big. He is huge. He is a unit. And the whole idea is that he has this, Jack Reacher has this kind of, um, uh, like, you know, 
oh, the, the, I can't remember what TV show it was about. The guys who just sort of like, you know, the lone guy who just like almost a hobo goes from town to town and just wanders the land, doesn't own anything. He, there's, a, there's a recurring gag about how he owns a toothbrush and that's the only thing he owns. He, he owns a toothbrush and, and, he, and, and he, um, but then each one of these things talks about uh, uh, a case that he's find, he finds as he goes around the country. This one is a little bit more personal because the show starts off and you see a helicopter flying over what looks like, you know, like a forest, like maybe in the Catskill Mountains or something like that. And then this guy gets beaten up. He's, he's attached to a gurney. And they say, you, any, you got any last words before, yeah. before you die? And he just, he just sort of says something like, oh, it's like, you're going to love it when the big guy finds you. And then they throw him out of the plane. <laughs> and they throw him out of the helicopter. So it turns out that that guy was part of Jack Reacher's old unit. And some other people who, and people on his old unit have been getting killed. And so some other people who are in his unit get in touch with him, bring him back in. And then these guys who are called the special investigators, the ones that are left, are trying to go through this whole t- thing to figure out what is going on, why are they getting killed off, who is doing it, and if possible, can they get revenge? And that is the storyline of it, and then it goes on from there. Now, I'm not sure, Sharon, I know you're, you're an avid reader. Have you ever read a Jack Reacher book? Yes, I've read the... F- um, I like to read all my series in order. Um, <laughs> I got, so... Um, I was given one that was like book 15 and I was like oh no so I then I started at book one and I've read the first four all right yeah. there are about 25 of them so yes I have read the first few books okay so so you will probably have more of like in the thing of saying okay how close to the book it is and everything like that yeah. so I'll let you talk about that and I'll, I'll just talk about what I thought as someone who's never read the books no, I think he is, he is as good a Jack Reacher as I could imagine anyone to be, because he has got that whole independent, that um, yeah, like that that hobo attitude that you know he doesn't want a house. It's not because he can't afford it. Mm-hmm. It's not because he can't. Um, he's antisocial. He's got friends. <laughs> he's got um, you know connections. He does interact with people. He just he just is fiddle footed. He was raised in the army. He is only him and his brother and his parents were army family. He moved from place to place to place. He never had a settled childhood. Then he joined the army himself. He never had a settled adolescence and sort of young manhood. And so now the fact that he's finally out of the army and he's free to do what he wants, he's just happy to drift. So if he drift, he does. But he has got ways of connecting with people. He gets sent money every, he gets his pension. Um, So he has a bank account and he has a code that people can send him. And if he gets his code, he knows to get in touch. Yeah. So if he isn't completely cut off and isolated, but he just likes to do his own thing. And so, yeah, he drifts. And then he, he works. Sometimes he'll work for a couple of months. Sometimes he'll work for a couple of days. Sometimes he'll think, you know what, I want to listen to a band in New Orleans. So he'll just mm. go to New Orleans. Or he thinks, oh, actually, I want to go see the snow. So he'll just he'll either walk, get the buses, or he'll just cross country and think, I'm going to go to Montana. Yeah. So he just yeah. crosses crisscrosses the country and um and yeah he sometimes encounters um adventures along the way so so what did you think so have you read because this is based on a book called bad luck and trouble which uh, yeah uh, which is it's kind of like weird because i think from what i understand all of the books about him being a lone wolf and this is him being put together back with his old team and so yeah. what did you, no, what did I you think i haven't read this one Okay, I so, haven't read this one. That's what, a bit further up the pecking order because I am literally starting from the very beginning. Yeah. But what did you think about this as a as a, as an adaptation of the of the Reacher that you read in the books? Like, I think it's done well. Yeah, you do get that idea. The only part of me sort of gets a little bit cross with Reacher because in every, I don't know if it's just the way they were written in, in the nineties, but in every book he has like a different girlfriend. He's a bit like Bond. Yes. He has like a different love interest yes. in every book. 
And I get the feeling he's probably going to, they're going to do that in the series. He's going to have a different love interest in yes. the series. Um, but so he does like hook up with people. I'm thinking, you're just a man slut. Um, but maybe he's not as bad as that. Darren, I don't know, man. I don't, that's like, whoa. Whoa, that's a shocker. Excellent. Good for you, girl. Good for you. Um, but that's just the impression you get from the first few books. Maybe he doesn't, he isn't quite so extreme in all the others, but, or maybe it's just a sign of the times. They were written in the 90s, some of these books. Yes, yes. Um, but I think, yeah, I think what we see on the screen is as close to it as I've seen anything I think would be close to, to Reacher as I have seen. Yeah, and, and so I not... think they've got his spirit, they've got his humour, they've got his just, you know, sort of devil may care attitude. You know, he's, um, there's one boy, so one of his colleagues in this film was saying, you know, um, you should play video games, you'll like them. And he's like, going, why? Because oh, I think you'd be really good at, as a first person shooter. Because I am a first person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> and that also sums him up, you know, he doesn't live vicariously, he just lives. And I think it, yeah, it just, it is, we do, yeah, I think yeah. what we see is as close to Jack Breach as I could imagine. Yeah, I, I think, I think the, okay, because from everything I've, I've never read the books, but from everything I've read about them, they're essentially pulpy fillers that you can, essentially, people talk about, so, sort of, like, you talk about reading four of them and just racing through them. Like, they're sort of page turners, they're fun, they're not supposed to be serious, they're not going to make you think about the nature of life or anything like that. They're, they're, Jonathan Glazer's never going to direct a Jack Reacher book. <laughs> book. You can sit back and you can probably read the whole book in two or three days, yeah. even if it's like four, four or five hundred pages, you can just race through it. They're yeah. very readable. Yeah, they're, yeah. so they're, they're kind of like, you know, thrillers. They're almost like throwaway thrillers. And I think that they've yeah, done, yeah. Like, you get that with the TV show. You're watching the TV show and you're going, that's good, that's great, eight episodes, get through it and then oh cool where's the next one throw it over your shoulder <laughs> where's the next one and so and i think that they've done really well uh, with that because it is almost kind of like it's like the sort of action movie you used to get in the 80s like you know when you would get almost the, like a lethal weapon or something like that with the sort of banter and the repartee or something like that. It's, it's kind of like that but over eight episodes uh but it's like the good ones it's like the good ones and i actually quite like this and i know the people who've been going oh i didn't like as much as the first season Personally, I don't see how it's any different from the first season. I mean, as in, in tone or in quality or anything like that. And I, I like the first season, like the second season. And I think that there are, there are a couple of things. Obviously, there's Alan Richardson, but I really, really like Maria Sten as Neely. And the, the relationship between, between uh, Richard and Neely... I actually really, really love it. It's almost like a brother, sister, sort of like a like. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like a paternal thing. It's like, but I really like the relationship between the two of them. And this, this, this has Robert Patrick in it. Robert Patrick, who is yeah. who is best known as who? Terminator. The T one thousand in Terminator two, and there is a Sarah Connor line that they have in the first episode of this show <laughs> that I yeah. loved. I thought it was yeah. hilarious the way it goes. <laughs> That because it's it was it was done so knowingly because they had this Sarah Connor line and you're like it's Robert Pat everybody knows that's Robert Patrick but some people are going to be like I know that guy's face from Terminator Two and they sound Sarah and it has a it has a sense of humor about it that I actually quite liked um oh some minor quibbles in that I thought that Alan Rickson was actually too big I thought he was a little too big in this season compared to last season I think he, there's his the He's upper, up a bit. Yeah, he's yeah. beefed up a bit, and his up and he didn't need to. His upper body doesn't look like it can move that well. I think it, I think I think it's, I think it's a bit too big in this season. But um, but apart from that, um, apart from that, I think it was good, yeah. and I would give it a four out of five. Yeah, that probably be my only quibble as well because I think he's quite lean because at times he works as a labourer and at times he works as like he just walks everywhere, so he can be quite lean but big. 
with it. So yeah, I think I, he was a bit yeah. bulky. But, no, I, I liked it. I did you? Yeah, sorry. No, go on, Sean. So how many? Oh, how many stars? Stars? Okay. Okay. I'd give it a. I'd give it a. Yeah, four star. Right. I enjoyed it. Um, it let me. I watched it. Enjoyed it. As you say, a bit popcorn. Um, feast for the eyes and, at times. But yeah, yeah, it was all fun and games. Yep. Yeah, cool. Sorry, Sean, you look like you've been trying to say something. Yeah, yeah no, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> forced to, yeah, it doesn't matter. No, yeah. as I say, I, I watched one or two while I was over because my uncle was really into it and I didn't really see any different from like NCIS or any of those other things. I, I, from, yeah, you, you know what I mean? It was just wasn't for me, but then I don't watch those because I think they're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're pretty standard things. But to, I mean... Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, it's, 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 a, it's a procedural. It's a procedural. There's a lot, right. more, there's yeah. a lot more blood. That, there's a lot yeah, more yeah. blood that, that you would get in like an NCIS. It's not a yes, network yeah, yeah. TV kind of thing. There's a lot more violence and all that. But uh, yeah. but to, to be honest with you, it is it isn't anything that's going to break the bank. As Sharon said, no. it's popcorn. It's it's like more. It's almost like in a nice tasty morsel. You eat it, throw it away. Where's the next one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, so. It's it's good for what it is. It is. It's just you know it delivers. It knows what it is, and it does that well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not pretending to be anything other than it is. Mm. Though, which is, you know, yeah. a lot yeah, of yeah, no, 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 that's, that's, that's what I mean. Because they are they're really popular. All those sort of series, they're really, really popular. Um, when I used to live in Godric, all the time it was like, oh, yeah, we watch, you know, and, and for me, I mean, my, you know, it's like uh, Donovan, Ray Donovan, and all those sort of things. They're all. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not really into those those type of series, perhaps. Okay. I watch it because I like the books. Yeah, no, I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watch it because I can't be bothered to read the books at the moment, and I want to see what the fuss is about. And, mm. <laughs> and all that. All right, cool. Now let's go over because we are running over a bit. Sure, Holly, 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 you went to see the yeah. holdovers. Tell us about the holdovers, which is another <laughs> one of those films that everybody's going Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> So The Holdovers is set in a prep school in the US where there is a history teacher played by uh, Paul uh, Giamatti who is uh, cranky, unloved by his pupils, really very difficult. And he finds himself staying over at Christmas with any pupils who are left behind and who can't join their families for whatever reason. And there are initially a group of them, but due to circumstances, it it whittles down to one single pupil who found himself there at the very last minute, unexpectedly, who is also not terribly easy. He's a, a prickly sort of character. So there are the two of them left in the school, along with uh, the cook, who is played by uh, Devine Joy Randolph, who is superb in it the only thing i remember seeing her in prior to this is actually um only murders in the building uh, uh no i remember her i think of her from um rings of power all right as she plays um somebody's wife and i can't remember the name of the character but she's excellent okay um so the the overall premise is that and there, and i should add there is another teacher who's generally, you know, is around in the vicinity as well, uh, played by Carrie Preston, who is as superbly Carrie Preston as you would expect. She's nice. And, She's good. And the, the overall premise is these two people, and ultimately three people with um, the, uh, Devine um, Randolph's character, are building a connection. And she has just lost her son in the Vietnam War. So... It, you have these people in different places of 
but life trauma, life trouble, and they're finding their way through it when they don't have personal connections and they build them up through this Christmas holiday season. Uh, learning about each other, learning about actual learning as um, Paul um, uh, uh, Janati's character starts it all off as everything is going to be run as though it's a term. Yeah. So it will be, we will be getting up at this time and you will be doing studying at this time and you are going to be doing exercise at this time, even though the gym is closed. Yeah. Um, you will be out in the snow. It's good for your character. And it's the, the, the barriers slowly unpick and the the you start to understand the things that make everybody who they are why they are um uh, uh, he had been a pupil there in the past as well so unpicking why somewhere he clearly doesn't really like he is at yeah is uh, you know he's working at and it's a it's a beautiful film it's it's very simple. It's not. It's not a fancy film, but it's quite elegant, and it's incredibly. It's an incredibly kind film, and I know it sounds like an odd word, <laughs> but it has a. It has a sort of a gentleness, a lot of sadness to it. I mean, it made me cry, but you know, we know. You know, I cry at everything, so that's not necessarily that much of an achievement. But it was really. It was really poignant. It was also something of a vignette, really. But it was a, a delight to watch. I I left the cinema at the end, smiling, and feeling very glad that I'd spent the time watching it, and that actually I, I kind of felt that my life was a bit better for having seen it. And I can't explain why, <laughs> but it, it brought me real happiness. All right. Okay. Cool. Ooh, that's nice. When a film does that, when a film does actually stir your emotions, definitely Oscar worthy. I, I, there's no two ways about that. Yeah. Yeah. Best actor, best supporting actress, best picture. Uh, I think the director. So okay, not to sound all film buffy about it or anything like that. No, not director, but not to all film buffy about it or anything like that. But it's um, uh, this is directed by Alexander Payne. And yeah. everything you said sounds like an Alexander Payne film. It is. It is <laughs> an absolutely perfect Alexander Payne film. It does because, what it says on the tin. Because he did um, About Schmidt. He did About Schmidt. He did Sideways. He did, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the one with John Clooney, The Descendants, the one in Hawaii. The George Clooney one in Hawaii. And it's, yeah. And, oh, that made me cry. Oh, yeah. And he, <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, like, and his films, they, they, they tend to be like, essentially not much happens so to say plot wise not much happens and it could be accused of just being a whole bunch of people watching them hang out and watching them do and it's all about the internal struggles that people are having and all that kind of stuff but sometimes he spins gold from it like some some of his films like for instance sideways not i don't think it was as good as everybody made out that it was um but i think the descendants and what was the other one there's another one that he did that I actually thought was quite good, but I think the Descendants was. I think, as you said, it that packs an emotional, it packs an emotional punch. So, um, so and Sean, I'm not sure if you've seen the trailers for this, but this film is shot that it looks like it's a lost film from the 70s. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, is, is this Paul Giamatti? Yeah, yeah, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, yeah I see. Now you're gonna pillory me for this, but I find him like very him. much. 
I find him very much <laughs> oh, no. in the films. He played. He played. Uh, Add him to the list. Uh, King, King John. No, he's, he's he is good in some things. I did like he him was in. King John. He was King John. He played King John um, pretty awfully. In what um, film was that? A couple of other things. That was in um, uh, the 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 Templars, Knights Templar or Templar film. I forget what it was called. It was a yeah, now, it but it was a James Purfoy is James the Knights Purfoy Templar. is yeah. I was thinking it was called oh, Knights oh, Templar. Oh yeah, but that, that, that was a terrible film anyway. Uh, yeah, but um, no, but I tell a lie. He was good. He was in some. Uh, was he in um, like? He was in uh, Rock of Ages. As Rock of Ages, and also agent. the Truman Show. Was he in the Truman Show? Was he one of the? He was, he, he's, what, he has he a he has a small the, role in the Truman Show. He's yeah, he, he's, like he's one, one of those people that wait 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 watch the Truman Show again. You go back and go. Hang on, is that Paul Giamatti? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and like I, uh, like everyone even to talk about random random appearances of Paul Giamatti before he was famous. If you see my best friend's wedding. He plays. He plays like a bellhop in the like. When he has one scene with Julia Roberts mm-hmm. in the corridor of like a of a hotel. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it's a blinker. You miss. He's on screen for about yeah. a minute, if that. So, so, so I'm hot and cold with him. I'm hot yeah. and cold with Saving him. Saving Mr. Banks as well. I don't uh, remember him in that. No, I don't remember him in that. Maybe perhaps he was. I think but he's yeah, just the chauffeur who picks up Emma Thompson. Oh right. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably is. So, so I like him in small roles, but when he when he takes centre stage, I'm not quite as enamoured. <laughs> So, You're like, but get, anyway, that's me. Get onto He's the shelf. Get onto the shelf with wonderful. Stanley Tucci and Jason <laughs> Clark. Oh, you San Andreas. Yeah, he's in San Andreas. Yeah, with Dwayne Johnson. He's also he's he's also in Jungle Cruise. Oh, yes, right, he okay. is with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Well, he's is, got a very varied CV then. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I think I think Paul Giamatti has a very, very CV. He has like the yeah. dumbest things on there, and he has like some some of the highest brow things on there. Yeah. I think I think he's just he just likes acting, quite frankly. So yeah, okay. But anyway, but I think the way this film looks, Sean, it looks like it's right in your yeah. sweet spot because I, I, it looks I, like I, a film I, from the seventies. Even have the seen font the that they use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have seen the trailer, and I do like. I will. I will see. This is one I see. Is it on? So it's on streaming now, is it? No, okay. cinema. no, cinemas. 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 Cinema. Right, yeah. I was going to say, all oh, right, cinema. So, yeah. Holly, how many yeah. stars? Five. Five. Ooh, okay. Wow. Five. Wow. Five stars. Not a shadow of a doubt left the. Yeah. We just we just looked at each other like, yeah, that's five stars. It's okay. Amazing. All right. Okay. And now we go back to we go back to Netflix and Friends with with Sean and even going from some of the holdovers because obviously at the moment cinema is bringing out the big guns because the Oscars are just around the corners. Mm-hmm. So bring, cinema is yeah. bringing out the big guns. And now we go from that to something that I don't think is going to trouble the five star thing. <laughs> no, not with the title. Not with the title like King of the Killers. Star, King of the Killers. Yeah. Starring and as much as we love him, as much as we absolutely love, isn't that right, Sharon? Starring Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo, as, yeah. As, yeah, I love Frank Grillo. As much as we love Frank Grillo, he is not, he, he, he is, like, I remember there was a time we were reviewing a Frank Grillo film where we said, is there any such thing as a Frank Grillo five-star movie? And we said, <laughs> there is one. <laughs> there is one, and it's not really a Frank Grillo movie. It's one five-star movie that Frank Grillo happens to be in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that Warriors, is Warrior. That's Warrior, yeah. yeah. Warrior. And uh, so, Sean, tell us about King of the Killers. King of the Killers. Okay, so basically the film starts off. There's, he's, there's, he's an assassin. You see that chap. These, these are the, the killers. So, so, the chap so for, for those of us just listening to the audio, like Sean has a, on, if you see this on our YouTube channel, Sean has a background that has a still from the film. Is this, this is a film, right? This is a film. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, a film. Yeah. So, so the guy with his arm folded, basically, he's, he's, he doesn't know. He's got a family. He's got a wife and he's got a daughter. And... Um, He's he, he's a hitman, but they don't know. So 
he's on this job one day and his wife just happens to be out with friends and says, oh, what's he doing there? And, and something rather nasty happens, so he decides to give up. And then he gets this letter. His daughter, oh, his daughter becomes ill. Normal trope, his daughter becomes ill. It's going to be very, very expensive, so he's got to make some money. And he gets this invite to, to go to this, this building and they've got the top six assassins in the world. So these are, these are supposed to be the top six assassins in the world. Um, and then you've got Frank Grillo. He says, I brought you all here because you've got to kill me. So, because I'm the best, I'm the best. So you have to, you know, if you kill me, you're going to get a million amounts of dollars. You'll get loads of stuff. So, but you've got to kill you, me. You'll so. get, you'll get plop device. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's basically, that's basically the plot. And then it goes to the different ones. You know, you've got different characters that go, Oh, I don't want to work as a team. And then you've got others saying, Oh, I want to work as a team. And then you've got like female femme fatales and all that. And they all decide to go and, and turns turns or tr tries to be very john wicky you know with yeah, lots of these judge it, judging by your picture it has the obligatory um sort of like solitary female or the token female the token <laughs> in, female in the yeah the, yeah that yeah yeah that the, sort of they got the token female there and you know they're all sort of different weapons so you've got like a russian dude who's and you've got the the american dude that's you know good with go and basically so it's just these guys going through the house trying to and there's obviously traps and and you know, obviously, a lot of Frank Grillo's got a lot of advantages because um, because he's Frank you know, Grillo. Because it's it is, but he's Frank Grillo, you know, and he owns. He's, it's in the mansion, so he can like, you know, make noises or gas or whatever. And and so if someone's if someone's getting the upper hand, he's got ways of stopping them getting the upper hand. Yeah, but you you, you can go imagine home what, alone on them. You, yeah, but you can imagine what the end's going to be. So, you know, so I, I would think I would Does think. Does he die? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But. <laughs> There is, but uh, it, it, a spoiler. And if, if spoiler. It, it feels like that isn't even a spoiler. It feels like <laughs> yeah, it's not even a spoiler. Seriously, this is this is. I could have, I practically summed up the movie. This is absolutely ants, basically. It's, it's like it's like you know, um, total twaddle, total twaddle, total twaddle. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You got to kidding me. You guys are the best killers in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's like. You are the best killers in the world. I'm sure there must be better assassins than you guys. But um, yeah, so so basically, all you've got is that's that's the premise of the film. You know, like he needs money, so he goes to this mansion. He's and there's a few altercations between the assassins, shall we say, here there, a bit of you know, a lot of action, and then uh, and I think it's wearing me out, to be honest with you. This sort of John Wickie <laughs> thing. <laughs> I, I'm really sure, sure, I'm telling you, even John Wick has worn me out. I, the thing yeah. is like, you know, John Wick has show, John Wick Chapter Four has shown up on Amazon Prime, and I've had it on my watch list for probably about three weeks, and I cannot bring myself to watch it. I don't care how many good things people say about it; I'm just tired of it. <laughs> I, I think it's like it's I think continental, it's continental, isn't it? Isn't there a yeah. television? There's series a television now. series of Continental. Not it's bothered. Like, oh, okay. I, I think I think these type of films have had their time now. You know, it's a bit like the superhero movies. I think the bubbles, you know, with like the Equalizer and John Wick and this particular movie. And have you said that I would watch the Equalizer three? Yeah, the Equalizer <laughs> three. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're pretty good, but do you know? Yeah, because they're not quite so furious. They're more sedate, I guess. You yeah, know, there is yeah. action scenes in them, but it's more ridiculous. Whereas this is like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're just real over the top, silly, like, you know, and 
I don't know how these people, how these guys take as much punishment as they do. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I've always had this beef about, you know, people fall out of windows and smack their back on a thing and then they can get up and they're just uh, as good. Yeah, they can get up. Obviously, the Tom, the Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruise, away. Jack Reacher movies and stuff like that, you know. It's just, they take this punishment and it just, you human body, it's like cars. They wouldn't be able to take the punishment, you know. So, anyway, so I won't go around to this. I'm going to, I can sum this all up in the two stars, which is... Two stars. All it's worth. He's... Two stars. Yeah, just just for Frank Grillo. So, because <laughs> Frank Grillo is good. He's he's, he's yeah, the shining he's just light. Likeable, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's like just likable. Yeah. You know what you get with Frank Grillo. You know what you get. You know what you get with Frank Grillo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so like it's... Okay, so so the, the um the thing is, not, from what you're saying, right? This sounds like you know, like almost like a, a, a trope filled kind of thing. But yeah. And what I was trying to say earlier with Reacher is like I feel like Reacher is trope filled. But it feels like it's on the good end of the trope-filled right. stuff, and this sounds like it's on the bad end of the trope-filled stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, possibly, yeah. because I feel like in Reacher, when people actually take when they take like you know beatings or anything like that, you see the effect of it. Like they're not yeah, yeah. they're not just sort of like yeah, jumping yeah. up and going on to the next thing or anything like that. Well, early, uh, even the fact that somebody gets stabbed in the leg and then for the rest of the show walks with the limp, I'm like, oh yeah, that. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You know they, but they, but but do you know what I'm saying with like cars and humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. cannot take the punishment they yeah. take in these films. Yeah, no, no, and I, I know, yeah. I know what you mean because it's it's kind of like I remember growing up watching films in Nigeria, and I remember growing up and and think and you you, you used to watch for people, you know, people punching each other, you, you know, you make that <laughs> sound. And then when you eventually f- finally threw a punch, you're like, "What the heck?" <laughs> and you throw a punch, your hands, and you're yeah. like, "You're like that hurt my hand. How, how did they yeah, keep yeah, exactly. it?" That, are you thinking, "Oh, I must have done it wrong because that guy just kept yeah. punching somebody over and over again in the film." And, mm-hmm. and you, you and yeah, and then you, you watch Rocky, yeah, and, and you would shatter every bone in your hand, wouldn't you, if you were yes. punching someone's face like that repeatedly? Yes, and you're like, "Okay, you know, punching somebody actually hurts." And and I think in the '80s, that's what they that's what they sold. But nowadays, people are people are getting more savvy and people enough kids like me who punched people in the 80s have grown up and realized it hurts Mm. it hurts when you punch somebody and those are the ones making films now so they should should know better they should know better better. all right cool all right and so quickly before we go before we go let's go and see if we can just have a quick five minutes and talk about poor things yes so sean the the headline that Sean had when he when he reviewed Poor Things <laughs> last week was Wes Anderson porno movie. <laughs> that that was that was the headline that Sean had when he when he spoke about this last week. And I, I okay, I watched Poor Things earlier this week and Sean, I see what you say. I see what you say because it's kind of like very heightened reality like Wes Anderson. Yes. It's very heightened reality. It's very almost like fairy tale kind of thing like Wes Anderson. However, because this is Yorgos Lanthimos, I feel like it's dirtier than a Wes Anderson. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not just talking about the nudity there. I mean, like, even, even the screen, the world, the world doesn't feel as clean or as pristine or as well presented as a Wes Anderson film. But I understand what you're saying about it. With It's, it's like it's a, it's a fantasy world. It has elements of our world because they start off obviously it starts off obviously in London, but it isn't really London because they have trams, but the trams in this film are like in the sky and all that kind of stuff. Very early on in the film, you have the Willem Dafoe character, and he sat down at the table and he has this sort of contraption that he attaches to his stomach because of stuff that happened to him when he was scared. And then he eats, and then he he sort of like leans his head back and lends out this sort of like burp. And like a bubble comes out of his mouth and then floats up in the air and then pops. <laughs> and so it's it's very, very stylized. 
there's bits of it that are in black and white. There's bits of it that are in color. I can't figure out which... I, I don't think that there's any real rhyme or reason to what's black and white and what's in color. There's bits that are filmed with like a sort of vignette lens where there's just a circle and everything is sort of like distorted. I don't know why those are done in any particular way. And, but, and at the end of the film, I was left kind of going, okay, that was, that was all right. That was cool. It was a little bit cruel, but I'm not entirely sure what they're saying <laughs> i'm not entirely sure what they're saying or like because you know you can use like this fantasy world as a way of saying something about our world and i think that there is something being said in there about the way women are viewed but not being a woman i'm going to hand over to holly now to tell you what you thought about the film i really enjoyed it yeah it i think my my the first thing i said was well that's completely unhinged um, <laughs> And rather wonderful, and it did feel like it. It captured the 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 sort of the expectations of women to be a certain way, and the fact that Emma Stone's character didn't have that capacity to appreciate that this was an expectation, so didn't do it. Yeah, did what she thought she what she wanted to do. Very much captured the. Um, the why is you know this is you know from the most simplistic level this is you know the base position of what i would like to do what not i for, but she yes. would like to do so she's going to do it yes and society stands back in some ways in in horror as is very neatly captured by um uh, Mark Ruffalo's character. Mark, uh, oh, by the way, Mark Ruffalo is brilliant in this film. Yeah. He is absolutely so, superb he in is it. So he is so dumb in this film. He is so he's so perfectly formed. I've never seen him do anything like this before. He's brilliant in this film. And does sort of personify his he projects onto her what his expectations of her are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's a long discussion you can have about this film. A bit like you're talking about zone of interest, Sean. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of discussion you can have about this film about going into what it's saying about women. Like, there is something to say about the fact because basically it's about a woman, a grown woman, gets a baby's brain put into her body, and then throughout the film, this baby brain sort of catches up with the body that it's in, and so it's all about what what happens, what she goes through. It does this whole thing that I'm not sure about. Where it essentially uses sex as this big be all and end all and sex as being this big liberator and like essentially sex plays a big part of this film she starts a, a lot of her development comes through sex in this film and um and there is something to be said about the fact that when she is more baby like and more childlike that's when a lot of the world and a lot of the men seem to be like oh yes and they feel like and then the more she grows into a woman and the more that she gets her own brain and she has her own thing they start finding her unattractive. <laughs> and, they don't like her increased agency. Yes, exactly. They don't like the fact that she can think for herself and she can do things for herself. But, uh, but I think that there's a big part of it that because she hasn't had society telling her this is what she's supposed to be like, as her brain was developing, her brain developed too much, so she's like, I don't see why I should be like that. I'm going to be like this. And I think that there's something like that. But then the final scene of the film is just plain weird. It's just, just, yes. it's just it is. It's absolutely bizarre. Wonderful. It's just, but completely weird. Uh, yeah, exactly, Sean. Exactly. I mean, I was like, yeah. What, yeah, is, yeah, I suppose, what does yeah. that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, it's, I, I think that's probably the, the enjoyment of it is it has sort of nothing to do with anything other than a, a weird neatness to it. Yeah, no, it, it, just, it, just, it, just, it just seemed a bit... So I thought it was one of those things where 
uh, I, I, I think Sean, you gave it, or you gave it a three. I think, three, yeah, I, I, I think I gave it a strong three. Yeah. A strong, a strong three. I probably mm. would go with a four. I think the. the I'm going yeah. five. Yeah, I think the the, per, the performance of Emma Stone is definitely a very very good performance, especially in the early bits. Because seeing as I have a toddler and a four month old in my house, there's bits in the performance I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've experienced that. Yeah, that's my... <laughs> and I was thinking, she's done that really well. She's captured something about a three-year-old right there. And, and, and I think her performance is so good that she, she, the way she changes throughout the film feels, 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 feels totally natural. And by the time it gets to the end, I've actually I've forgotten that she was like that at the beginning. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. And it's almost like a magic trick that's been done in front of you and you don't realize how the magic has been gone. So I do think it's a very, very good performance, which is, I think, the best actress Oscar is a two-horse race from everything I'm hearing between her and Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon. So it's, um, but um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, so I think that's, that's a feedback. I would give it a four. Hollywood, give it a five. Anyway, we'll say go watch it and make up your own mind because it's that kind of film. <laughs> Although I have to say, a lot of people have mentioned about the amount of time Emma Stone spends, spends naked in the film. And that's been like a thing that you can't, you can't get away from it. I didn't think it was as much as people were no. making out. I did not. I did. It, I, yeah, I did not think it was as, as as much as people were making out. Even though I'm not a big fan of nudity in films, I didn't think it was as much as people. No, I'm I'm relatively indifferent to nudity in films, but I I'm also not like a particular. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Personally, but I didn't think it was. You know, I didn't think the nudity was gratuitous. In oh, fact, no, I it, thought it was. It was very matter of fact. It was almost salacious. There's some bits where the nudity is actually, I think, is supposed to be off-putting. <laughs> yeah. What about what about the the bordello? What, what about that? Oh, the, the French the French brothel. Oh, yeah, I mean that that section. I mean, is there? But that section is not a massive part of the film. No, 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 no. But no. It is very I'm odd. Sure. Yeah, it, it's it's very odd. Yeah, it's very odd. It made me think of Delicatessen, like the all the I think it was Jean Pergeot movie from the nineties. Like it just mm-hmm. it's shot weird and it's shot and it's almost kind of like that's the word grotesque. That whole sort of yeah. bordello bro, brothel sequence it's kind of like almost so like grotesque and it sort of revels in the fact that all these people are coming in and all sort of shapes and sizes and piercings and tattoos and all that and they it it, it they it's a little bit grotesque it's a little bit uh oh that's the only word i can i just keep coming back to yeah but, i think yeah. grotesque is a good word yeah so it, but but it's but as it's almost sort of like celebrating the grotesque thing and then that uh, uh, puncturing that scene every now and then with mark ruffalo being an idiot <laughs> <laughs> he was he was good. Mark Ruffalo was Mark good. Ruffalo was brilliant. Mark Ruffalo was, yeah. he, he was he was a he was a he was a sublime idiot in this film. So yes. Our, yes. Yeah. yeah. So so I think I think the um all right, all that's left to say, which I forgot to say earlier, is who do you think has won this week if it isn't already really, really obvious? Well, I think <laughs> I think I, I would think cinema's aced it this week totally. Cinema, cinema has aced this with a four point three three on average. And um uh TV or streaming and friends can only give us a 2.6. Right. Oh, it's a big, big, big margin. It's this a week, big, yeah. it's, it's a trouncing. It's an absolute But trouncing. then it is Oscar season, isn't it? It, it, so. it is. It, yeah. but, but sometimes Oscar seasons doesn't always produce the goods. No. Sometimes no, Oscar seasons, you're like, what the hell are they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, okay, so that, that's that. So, um, 
If you would like to get in touch with us, please do find us on Twitter, Netflix VS Cinema, on Facebook, Netflix VS Cinema, on YouTube, Netflix VS Cinema. And there was some stuff that happened on YouTube this week that I was going to talk about, but we've run out of time. So we'll save it for next week. But get in touch. Tell us what you think about this. What do you think about Oscar seasons and um, what you think about any of these films we've spoken about. Until that time, until next week, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. A goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us.